Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And a pleasant good morning to all of you as you listen to this on a Saturday in the AM. For another big Saturday of College Hoops, the final Saturday in the month of February, which means College Hoops, I'm sure for a lot of sports fans, has taken center stage right now. My name is Greg Frank. Tune in uh, to our college basketball pods all throughout the month of March as well. We hope you will, as we've been doing pretty well here at Undercover Greg for all of my gambling picks. When it's college basketball, that means one guy for me think of first. Or Joe Lenardi or Jerry Palm or any of the Brexit it's my guy, Bill Christie, from Lucha Larry, at LaryBoxU on Twitter for another college basketball pod for us. Bill, good to have you back again about 40 out, 48 hours later after a nice Wednesday into Thursday pod. We look to keep it rolling into the week. Wow, you put me in some serious, serious <laughs> high company there to start off the pod. I'm well, when you're coming in with a mystery play and all oh, yeah. I gotta give you a little <laughs> bit more of a grand introduction, my guy. Yes, I like it. I like it. A mystery play, first time on the pod gonna be today. Can I um, ask and we play at the end of the pod, but can I ask the the reasoning for this? Just felt like slicing things up? I can't. I can't give you any kind of a thing. No, not nothing. Nothing. You'll be grasping at straws, but I got a feeling you might figure it out about midway through uh, my handicap, but we shall see. Before we get into some stuff, you know, Greg, you and I had talked uh, on and off the pod a lot. I mean, it's been the talk of pretty much the college basketball season, how strong this Big Ten conference has been. And uh, I went back and looked at all of the uh, rankings throughout the season of teams in the Big Ten and just to see what their best ranking was for each team. And I couldn't believe what I found, that six, six of the Big Ten teams have been at one point this season in the top five. You have Michigan currently at three. Iowa at one point was three. Michigan State early, early on in the season was at four. Wisconsin had climbed to four. Ohio State was recently at four. Illinois currently at five. And then you have four teams that were still in the top 25 with Rutgers at 11, Minnesota at 16, 
Northwestern at 19 and Purdue at 24. That only leaves Maryland, Indiana, Penn State, and Nebraska as the four teams that are have been unranked throughout the season. And I think you had mentioned, you know, Maryland, Indiana are kind of on the bubble. I mean, we right. talked about it all year. This Big Ten is just absolutely loaded, arguably the best conference of all time. And as, as much as we talk about it, I just said too to you, it's overshadowing this Big 12 conference that's extremely strong as well. And, I, I, you know, you got to give kudos to them. There's some really, really strong programs up and down that conference. But the Big Ten, my, my God, when I went back and looked at that, I didn't think I could be more – uh, impressed with what they've done this year, but when I went back and saw those numbers, I actually was more impressed. Curious about how you felt when I laid that out to you a little bit ago. Yeah, it definitely gives some more context to the stuff we were talking about at the beginning of the pod on Wednesday night into Thursday morning that we were talking about the Big Ten being the best conference in America, and when you think about six teams at one point being in the top five and only four teams in the entire league at one point never being in the top 25. And two of those four are still in line to potentially make the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about Indiana in a little bit. Um, Gosh, I mean, there's just, uh, you know what? It, it, It does kind of bring back the conversation we were having on the pod earlier this week about the, Big Ten and what do you do with the Minnesotas and the Indianas and the, you know, Maryland's and and Minnesota is involved in our first pick here. So we'll get to them as well. But it does kind of lend credence to if, you know, if the committee does opt for the 500 or barely above 500 Big Ten team, then when you the more stats that pile up, it gets harder to argue with that, you know, and yeah, pour one out for Drake or, or whoever else, you know, these in a game of two bubble teams tonight in the Atlantic 10 with St. Louis and Richmond VCU, you know, whoever it might be that gets shafted, you know, it happens every year and there's going to be arguments every year about the bubble. If the committee just wants to say, you know what, congratulations, big 10, you've earned it. Like, how can I argue with that? Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of the the point that I was trying to make, I think, on Wednesday night when you posed that question to me. You know, how, which one would I favor over it? Again, it's just the fact that this is historically never – I mean, I have to go back and look, but i got a feeling it's probably historically never been done where you've had six teams in conference to be within the top five at one point throughout the season. I mean, at that point, you know, like you said, it gives credence to making the call of bringing that – you know, barely over 500 team from the Big Ten and over teams, like you mentioned, like a Drake or some of the mid-major program teams that are, you know, only a 5-6 loss team, but they weren't able to win their conference. And, again, I go back to my comment from last podcast. Everybody has an opportunity to make a tournament. All you got to do is win your conference tournament. So those little guys out there that, that aren't in the mix just yet, they could always get it done just by winning their conference tournament. So that is the beauty of college basketball. And, hey, we're sitting here on February 26th. It's almost February 27th here on the East Coast in about 35 minutes. Yep. And March is is right around the corner. I couldn't be more excited. We're finally getting the tournament that we were stripped from last year because of this ridiculous virus. What What do you and, think, by the way, it's going to be like with the, everything in one site? Like, Because I know sometimes the first weekend you'll sometimes look to those – you know, all the sites that they play the games at, and you'll look for a team that maybe only has to travel an hour or whatever, or two hours, and could stay in the state. Like, can you think of anything else that would change as far as handicapping all these games at neutral sites, I think, with limited crowds? Yeah, I think that was something that we were thinking about previous to the announcement being made of where they were going to be. It was kind of more so like you had a lot of neutral site, if you will, um, data to look at because there hasn't been much in terms of fans at these games. So, like, even though they're home games, they really feel like more of a neutral court because there's not that fanfare. And, you know, we all know that college basketball is one of the best uh, spectator sports there is. Uh, so the, the team, the, the fans do play a big role in that home court advantage. So not having that much this year kind of plays into that neutral court's uh, piece of, of doing the data. But uh, the fact that everybody's in that one area and not much travel, 
yeah, a little bit maybe you can put into your handicap. But I think for me, uh, the thing that I'm like a little nervous about is, and they've just posted something recently that they aren't going to be doing any kind of uh, bringing another team in or what have you if somebody uh, ends up becoming positive and the team has to be eliminated. And I, I truly, truly hope that we do not have that happen at all with this. I, I mean, it would be such a shame to have – like we just said, we were talking about how you have those teams, the mid-major teams, they just can't get in. And could you imagine if a team like, you know, a barely above 500 – Big Ten team uh, gets in over one of those teams and then actually doesn't even get to play a game. Somebody contracts right. a virus or whatever, and they they end up having to forfeit that game. And the other, God. you know, the mid major teams sitting home. Like, right. I really, really hope we can avoid it. Um, you know, but hey, you've said it plenty of times on these podcasts. You're still dealing with very, very young men, um, and you know, as much as you'd like to think that the coach and whoever else has the thumb on top of these guys and keep them in check. At the end of the day, they're still kids and they're thinking they're invincible and want to do whatever they want to do. So, you know, if they leave that bubble or whatever and put themselves in, in harm's way, you know, they could end up costing their team the entire season, literally, which is a scary proposition to have. So hopefully we can avoid it, but that is my big concern heading into March. On a different note, I, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit of my a little PSA of mine that I wanted to get off my chest. Bill, you had something similar about a month ago or whenever it was, end of January, early February. Um, just going back and forth today um, in the Twitter DMs, and it just is unbelievable the amount of trolls that we can run into on gambling Twitter. And listen, this is not to turn down any of the loyal followers that we've developed, whether it's doing this podcast or just tailing our picks on Twitter or even fading our picks. Like, Bill, you always say we have one enemy here, and it is the book, yep. and that is who we're trying to take down. And people that clown you for your losers or, you know, question your picks. Why do you like this? Why do you like that? What the hell are you thinking? How much money have you lost betting games like this? Whatever. I, I don't understand, like, what – gets these people out of bed when that's what their goal is. Like, again, like you are not going head to head with me. You know, even if you right. fade my pick, we are both facing the book. I mean, the book would love to have oh, yeah. 50% of the action on one side of the number, 50% on the other side. And there's your 10%. They don't care. So it just drives me up a wall when I see people, you know, we were both, you were on Penn State with me as well. This person comes in and is ripping my Penn State pick before the game goes off. Listen, you do not have to tail my picks. If you follow me on Twitter just to fade me, if you think I'm that bad, it's not going to change how I feel about you. I don't know who you are. So <laughs> it, it, it just drives me up a wall when you get these trolls and they just seemingly live to troll people for losing and don't make picks themselves enough on a daily basis to realize how hard it is to hit it, you know, 53, 54, 55%. Uh, and I had just, I hit my kind of last nerve today on this. And <laughs> Sounds like it. Was it like, I like wanted it. to get something off my chest. And I know you have similar feelings to me, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Look, at it. again, you said it. I always say it. There's one enemy. It's the book. Um, yeah, and if you want to fade our picks, fade our picks. It's fine. Um, but at the same time, well, if somebody's going to pay you for your service, <laughs> yeah. only to fade, are, do you care? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, I want to be winning. I want, you know, because sure. the majority, I would, I would like to hope that 99% of the people that do pay for my VIP service um, are – Tailing my picks as opposed right. to fading, but um, you know, you mentioned something and, though. And again, we're I, talking about the bad apples in the bunch here, so right? Yeah, one percent. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. for the money. majority of it out there, and, and this goes across the board. I actually posted something. I think it was this uh, this morning on Twitter. Um, I just threw out some names of guys that I know. I put you in there as well. People that are like about five thousand um, or less followers, guys that are 
really doing the work, putting the effort into it, and trying to build the community and and do more work for it. And to me, that's what this is all about. It's like, again, you're fighting the book. You're not fighting each other. And those guys that are trying to gain a name by putting other people down and stuff like that, you see them come and you see them go. You know, like those are the people that don't stick around. Well, um, and, and again, if it's people that are just living off of clowning other people for losing, if you get married too much to anyone's results, whether it's your own or someone else, mm-hmm. it's just not going to end well for you. Like, no, right. At the end of the day, we do this because we enjoy it and we have a process that we believe for us, like spots we like to play, things we like to do, tendencies that we like to kind of stick to. And. Mm-hmm. Whether we're winning or losing, I'm getting up out of the bed. Yeah, am I a little more happy? Do I smile a little more when I'm winning? Undoubtedly. But I try not to let my emotions come into play too much. And clearly these people are doing just the opposite and just emotionally destroying people and ripping into them when their picks lose. And it's like, okay, bro, like, are you on top of the world or something? Are you invincible? (laughs) Like... You know yeah. something I don't hear? <laughs> yeah, and like, look, I always try and tell people it's not a lottery ticket. You know, it's all about long-term investment in this game. And people that think it's a lottery ticket and they see those crazy parlays and stuff like that. Right. They're the people that are betting way more than they can afford. They get in those big holes, and that's when they get upset. And that's usually when they, they come they start losing, the and, oh, I got to come back, so let's bet the game I didn't have any interest in. You know, let's go to the Ohio Valley Conference and yeah. – <laughs> Yeah, and throw a dart and see what happens. And look, it, it, you know, I, I'm not crazy. Like, I know that majority of my guys don't take every single one of my picks. And I'm not asking them to. I mean, uh, my data shows all of my picks. But, <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to – I would never want to twist somebody's arm, you know, and say, hey, uh, you have to play this because I'm saying so. If you feel differently and you have your own handicapping process and you're using me – as a resource, uh, which I appreciate, uh, go with your gut, you know, unless unless my analysis really turns you away from it. Um, I always suggest to people when they when they message me and they're on the opposite side, you know, and they say, you know, should I, well, should I go with you? I say, no. I mean, unless I can completely turn you around, I still wouldn't say it to make my play. If your gut instinct and your analysis and your research is telling you opposite of me, if anything, I would just say make it a no play. Because you're never going to be mad about the no play, right? Like, you're never going to lose a no play. It might feel a little bit like a loss when right. it wins and you don't have it. But I'd much rather have that scenario than me flipping and then losing. Then it's like, oh, my. That's when you get emotional. And it's, it's, it looks like it's the hardest part in the game, in my opinion, is to take the emotions out of it. It really, really is. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. Like, there, no, nobody benefits from tearing each other down on there and, Unfortunately, that's life. That's everywhere. But, you know, I, yeah, my, my motto like is... That, yeah, that goes bigger than gambling. There are people, for whatever reason, that get off on tearing somebody down rather than lifting somebody up. And exactly. you know what? You're a scummy person, but those people exist. Hey, and my my, my attitude is just kind of kill them with kindness, you know, positivity. And, you know, that's all, I, that's all you can do, you know, because nobody's going to get anywhere when you start arguing back and forth with these guys. It's just like, okay, you don't agree? All right. Good luck. <laughs> and that yeah. usually stops it because they, they want the argument. You know, you don't give them the argument and they kind of tend to disappear. So, On that note, let's actually get into the rotation now as we have um, a whole bunch of games to run through. We're going to start in that conference we already discussed to start the podcast, and that, of course, being the Big Ten. Uh, Cash the ticket the other night on Northwestern, a play that we gave out on the podcast. Uh, Western catching a short four and a half against Minnesota, and now we're seeing the Golden Gophers go to Lincoln. Uh, rotation number seven four one Minnesota going to Nebraska seven four two. Bill, you're going to be on the short home dog here, and you know I can already tell you I, I can't blame you, and I haven't even heard <laughs> your handicap because I know that Minnesota has yet to win a road game this year. So that in and of yeah. itself going against the Gophers, and they have just been a total mess right now. What else, or is that as simple as it is for you here? It, it's pretty. It's it's pretty close to being as simple as it is. Look at Minnesota looks completely disinterested in playing anymore, and that's shocking, right? Like you'd think a team like Minnesota, who is on the bubble, they'd be wanting to play these games and and, and get some wins. 
but they don't even look like they care. Lost four straight. They're currently the last team out. I mean, you can't get more on the bubble than the last team out. Um, so you'd say this game was a must win as well as the next two, I think they have on their schedule. Um, but like you say, Greg, there's a reason why these teams sometimes are on the bubble and Minnesota just isn't a good basketball team. And they're actually, like you said, they are horrendous on the road. One in seven against the spread have not won a game on the road. Uh, the Cornhuskers on the other hand, they're five and one against the spread, their last six following and against the spread loss, so they have that going for them. And you look at the previous meeting, you know, we always talk about revenge spots. This is a revenge spot. Minnesota was favored by 11 and a half and smoked these guys by 18. And now Vegas is telling us the line is as low as two and a half. Don't get me wrong. I was wrong. We were wrong on Penn State tonight with that kind of logic. But, I mean, that's a huge, huge swing in a point spread. And I get it, you know, it plays the factor of the fact that Minnesota has been terrible on the road. But the fact this line is this short, like you say, bubble teams are bubble teams for a reason. I think Nebraska is probably going to get the win. I'm going to take the points uh, no matter what. But, uh, yeah, I like the Cornhuskers here covering the two and a half. Yeah, and just one last thing for me. I'm probably going to stay away. Uh, just because I don't really have much of a feel for Nebraska whatsoever. And I mentioned that uh, Northwestern did compete with Indiana and compete with Illinois covering those games. Minnesota is the exact bubble team that I like to bet against because if you look at that program, like you look at some other teams on the bubble right now and like they're squarely in, but we talked about before we hopped on like Virginia Tech being the the third team kind of in the ACC. Like Mike Young's in like his second season there, like – if they were on the bubble, let's say, and they're not, but a team like that where it's like kind of like on an upward tra- trajectory, then that's a team that I'm maybe less likely to just fade because you're, there's a bubble tax or the desperation is overplayed or whatever because there's like positive momentum for that program. Minnesota is the exact opposite where yeah. you Google Richard Pitino right now, like <laughs> every hit piece or every – and I don't even want to say hit piece. Like everybody is saying this dude needs to go – Regardless yeah. of how the season ends, stagnant. I, I think there's They've a just good been chance. stagnant. And college kids, we talk about that all the time, right? Eighteen to twenty-two year old kids, they hear the noise. Gabe Kalsher, one of the players from Minnesota, is, is out with a broken wrist. So, I, I think there's a very real chance that he has lost the locker room and is a dead man walking uh, with the Gophers as well. Wow, maybe his father can come in and take over the program. We'll yeah, see. right. Yeah, <laughs> how's Iona doing? Yeah, really. So let's stay in the Big Ten, and uh, I'll go to a uh, again. All tickets catch the same as we always say. So Nebraska for Bill, uh, no different than me going to Bloomington for an earlier start time, uh, but it is one of the more marquee games in the early window, and it's the Michigan Wolverines traveling to Bloomington to take on the Indiana Hoosiers. We're seeing Michigan lay eight on the highway, a total in this game of 138.5. And this is just real simple for me, Bill. I mean, I guess on one hand you can look at the Big Ten because of how deep a conference it is and pick out look-ahead spots or sandwich spots because every game seemingly is going to be a dogfight. But I do think when it comes to the Wolverines, this is a pretty big-time sandwich spot that they're in which makes me think that uh, Indiana has to be the side to play here. And I know, as I've always said, I do like to fade bubble teams, but this is more just a play against Michigan not having motivation, in my opinion, for big margin here because they just finished, as you gave out here on the pod, a winner against Iowa, big time, you know, statement game, right? And you talked about the six teams that have been in the top five, but obviously Wisconsin has kind of been, you know, forever in that second tier of the league Mm -hmm. and Michigan state, we know that they've been a letdown most of the year. So really we've had four teams that have been consistently in the top 10, 15 nationally. And those four are Michigan, Ohio state, Illinois, and Iowa. And that's what I'm looking at here. As far as a sandwich spot, we have Michigan, uh, you know, really a big time sandwich. If if we want to take it a step further, you know, extra, some extra meat, uh, in, in the sandwich because Michigan just played Ohio State, okay, who's one of the other teams in that kind of tier of four that we're talking about. Then on Thursday night they play Iowa, and then up next is their only meeting with Illinois this season. So throw the Indiana game in between. And, again, for a Michigan team that – I mean, gosh, Michigan could get blown out in this game. They're not going to, but 
you know, for a Michigan team that could lose this game. It just doesn't strike me as the kind of game that Michigan gets up for as far as covering the point spread and winning by significant margin because of the fact that they made the statement going to Columbus and winning. They made the statement blowing out Iowa. All that's left to do, they haven't played Illinois yet. All that's left to do is to beat them. And you kind of, we talk about this being a tier one of four teams. Well, you almost now create your own tier in the league because you would have beaten all those teams. So that's my sense here on the Michigan fade in this spot, laying a pretty hefty number on the road um, of eight, eight and a half. Um, double checking my plays right now. It looks like Bet Online is at, sitting at eight, uh, but I got eight and a half with the Hoosiers. I think it's the only side you can play for the reason I mentioned with Michigan. And the Hoosiers are fighting for their NCAA at large bid lives. Not saying they're going to win the game, but I think you just give me, I know that they're going to be fully invested in this game because it's for as much as Michigan might lay down here. Indiana needs to get up. This would be a massive win for Archie Miller and company. Again, I'm not saying they're going to win the game. I like them to cover the number, though. Oh, man. How dare you? How dare you yeah. disrespect Sorry. the possible eventual national champion Michigan Wolverines here? Look at uh, Bill, like I'm glad you mentioned that, though, because maybe Michigan is just going to run all the way to the national championship here. But I do think somewhere along the line, they're going to face some adversity. And what maybe it's this game where Indiana, bubble team, you know, fights with them right down to the wire. For my sake, I hope it is. But I just think we talked about Baylor maybe hitting some adversity at some point, right? And they had the COVID outbreak. And then, you know, I had Ohio State the other night against them. Like, yeah. these top teams, like, they are very good. And Michigan may be the best team in the country, but in all sports, particularly in college, when again, 18 to 22 year old kids, you really just don't see these teams just run right through everyone. Even that Kentucky team back in 2015 met its match. It took until the final four, but Wisconsin obviously took them down. I'm not saying Michigan can't win the national championship, mm-hmm. but I think somewhere along the way, and obviously the point spread is the great equalizer. Uh, they will let down enough not to cover. So the, I just wanted to get that off my chest because when these teams are rolling right along, I realize teams could be, he- you know, as gamblers, we could be hesitant to step in front of that freight train, but sometimes the best bets are the hardest ones to make. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Look, I'm, I'll, I'll toot my horn a little bit here uh, with the way I called the last <laughs> commission game. I mean, I couldn't have been more spot on, I feel like, uh, talking about how defensively they were going to be able to hold Iowa down, they held them to 57 points. Um, and, I mean, I just need to give a shout-out to to Hunter Dickinson. I mean, my God, are you kidding me? This freshman, 14 points, 6 of 13 yeah. from the field, 8 boards, against the perennial Naismith Player of the Year. He's going to win it, uh, Luke, Luca Garza. And, you know, they held him to 16 on 6 of 19 shooting and only 4 boards. I mean, it was unbelievable it was I mean again it's tooting my own horn but it really was the way that I kind of anticipated that game going um and yeah Michigan like I said before they're just playing on a different level but I'm with you here on this on this cap um and and you mentioned you're kind of hoping that Indiana keeps it close I really I'm not gonna have a play on this game at all um but I do think that if Indiana's gonna cover this it's going to be more of a backdoor look. It's going to be like a Michigan kind of keeps them at bay between Take 15. Off the 15 yeah, they're up by like 15, 16 points, majority of the game. And, hey, look at what Michigan has coming up, right? Like, the, like you mentioned, they have, uh, right, Illinois? Illinois, yes. Yeah, I mean, they're not that they're looking forward to it, because they are, but they don't want to do anything stupid at the end of this game if they're up. You know what I mean? Um, and Iowa is a team in, that really beats you up physically. So a lot of those guys are going to be, you know, a, a little sooner going than this. Yeah, it's a real quick turnaround. But, yeah, I kind of Thursday night this game, now it's Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I foresee it going. Michigan, you know, handling business pretty easily. But, you know, in the back end of this, I could see. Um, well, I hope you're wrong there because I'm always a split Indiana. winner. But yeah, I could see Indiana getting the cover, though. Yeah, if you got into my head to pick. Took a side, I'm taking Indiana getting the points here. Well, that makes me feel a little better. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of taking sides, we're going to take a similar side here. 
again, staying in the Big Ten, uh, where we have the Illinois Fighting Illini traveling to Madison to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, and we're seeing uh, Illinois uh, maybe maybe getting disrespected here, uh, getting four on the highway, total of 135 and a half. Wow, it's a we're both going to be on Wisconsin here. Uh, Bill, I'll let you start uh, on the Badgers. You said they're already at four? Uh, at Bet Online, they are at four. I'm double checking my book. Uh, I got Wisconsin minus three in the hook. Okay, yeah, I got. I have. I have minus three. Okay. Um, but That's going to make you feel better then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But this look, this is classic, right? Number five versus number twenty three. Number twenty three's favorite. That catches your eye right away. We don't know what. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name. I just sumo, right? We don't know what his status is. I know he's got a right. broken nose. They're saying the reason that he didn't play last game was because they couldn't get a mask quick enough. Um, but they didn't really need him against that Nebraska team. But they'll definitely need his presence against the Badgers. Also, a little bit of a look-ahead spot. Not trying to disrespect Wisconsin in this. They are, again, at the top 25 team. Uh, but they have Illinois, and then they got Michigan. <laughs> Or sorry, Illinois got Michigan, then Ohio State. So they got number three, and they got number four coming up. And if look, if you're going to be honest with say Brad Underwood, you you ask them the question, hey, you're playing these three games, you have to lose one. Which one are you going to yeah, lose? Right, right. Like you're you're okay. As odd as that sounds, you're okay because if you go into the Big Ten tournament and you've got you're coming off wins against Michigan and Ohio State. Then you're not like, oh, but we lost to Wisconsin. No, yeah, like, nobody. You're, like, you're going to forget about Wisconsin in the conference. Yeah, you're going to forget about them awfully, awfully quickly. So, I mean, that's going to lean me towards Wisconsin here on that part of it, um, especially if he's out. If he's out, and honestly, I think that's why the line is where it is. I got a feeling he might not play. And even if he does play, you know, it's different when you're wearing that guard. You know, it, it changes the way you have to. Uh, you see things on the floor, and look, he's a floor general, so you don't know how it's going to affect him. Um, but some real quick pieces before I let you jump in here. Uh, Illinois, offensive rebounding is a big piece of their game. They're 46 in the country. Um, however, when you look on the other side of it, the Badgers do a really nice job of keeping these teams off the offensive glass. They're 34th um, in the country of keeping them off. And then on the flip side, the Badgers – they're number one in turnover percentage. They only turn the ball over on average about 13 times a game. Uh, Illinois does not pride themselves on the defensive end of causing turnovers. We're 300th in the country, actually, in causing turnovers. And we always talk about this when we talk about the Badgers. We always talk about it when we're talking about underdogs, although they're not an underdog in this spot. When you look at the numbers as far as rankings, they, they are. Inferior percentage, opponent, yeah. 75.6. They're number what is this, 43 in the country. Um, but, yeah, sub, uh, over 75% from the from the stripe. They're going to be getting there. Um, I really do think Wisconsin's going to win this. And not to say that they're going to win it handily, um, but, like, uh, the minus three up to minus four, I would play it up to minus five. Um, it's not going to – those lines really aren't shocking me right now uh, that they're coming out that way because it's just a spot that I do believe Wisconsin's going to get W. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on a lot of it. Uh, we touched on, I touched on Michigan having the Illinois game. Well, obviously, Illinois plays Michigan. So, you know, I'm not going to take a ton of time into getting into this handicap. Um, and then it's the only meeting for Illinois against Michigan. I, I believe I mentioned that in the Indiana-Michigan game. But also then the final game, it's a revenge game for Illinois because they play Ohio State, who went to Illinois and won as an eight-point dog back in the middle of January. That was kind of the beginning of Ohio State. Like I remember that game thinking, like, oh, okay, like, I guess i got to start taking Ohio State pretty seriously because, obviously, Chris Holtman's team has uh, really ascended uh, as throughout the season. I mean, you talked about the rankings, Bill. Like, I, I want to say Ohio State probably wasn't even in the top 25 preseason, right? I or think they, they were. were. They were towards the bottom. Like yeah, I think they're like I think they made him twenty third or twenty fifth. Twenty third, yeah. twenty five. Okay, so you know we have a double look ahead here for Illinois, and um, I, this is we, we talk about teams making statements in this conference, right? This is the last chance for Wisconsin to do so before the Big Ten tournament. This might not now. This obviously doesn't. You could look at this one of two ways, and there's certainly an angle to this stat I'm about to throw out you that. 
you could say, oh, well, I don't want the Badgers here. And I'm not saying, again, fade or follow. Go ahead and do what you want with it. But Wisconsin, against the Fantastic Four of the Big Ten, I'll call them, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa, 0-5 so far straight up and 0-5 against the spread. So (laughs) when they've had to step up in games like this, it hasn't gone well. But yet again, that also kind of speaks to the point we're getting at here. They're still favored by three. Three and a half, four points. So, um, you know, I, I think that this is kind of, I'll use my term, circle the wagons for Wisconsin. It's a team that we, a program that we always kind of trust to at least compete and not to lay down. And if they lose, it could just be for inferior talent. This line's telling you that they're expecting the Badgers to compete and be in the game late. And given that it is the kind of their last hurrah, against these top teams in the Big Ten before the conference tournament. I think at home, the Badgers get it done. Uh, Again, same kind of funkiness of the Big Ten from tonight with Penn State and Purdue. But you best believe I'm going to play this spot every time I see it with the quote-unquote inferior team as the favorite. So give me the Badgers minus three and the hook. Any final word here, Bill, before we go to the Big 12? No, it's a consensus play. Just go consensus slam it, right? Play. Yeah, and, and what we hit uh, consensus two consensus plays on the other night. So. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, gosh, why am I drawing a uh, Michigan State? Yeah. Right? Gosh, I guess they're going to get in now. It looks like or damn near close to it. Yeah. A- and uh, oh, uh, USC or uh, uh, fading USC. You had Colorado or? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And we lost on uh, Utah. So two and one. On the consensus play. You tell us no sweat, though, so no worries. That's true, right. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, like, that's the other thing on these games. Like, usually, and this was the case, we've talked about this, Bill, you can know pretty early. So, yep. like, Penn State down double digits at half, like, then yep. all of a sudden, like, the line doesn't matter. And, yes, as you always say, it was a gift. You get the better team, catching points, or pick, and you get a gift. It happens every now and again. We'll probably know pretty early here with Wisconsin because if they don't get off to a good start, then you have to think mentally they're probably going to be in a pretty bad spot, and that's where the 0-5 straight up and against the spread against Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa comes into play. So the Badgers got to get off to a good start here. If you like them in the first half, I wouldn't blame you for double-dipping. Let's keep things moving and go to the Big 12 where uh, you're going to look to – one of the best teams in the country, Bill, that being the Baylor Bears traveling to Fog Allen Fieldhouse for an 8 o'clock Eastern tip-off against the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas, you know, kind of you know, competing at least. You know, the, for as much as we like to talk about the death of the Blue Blood, Kansas is still trying to make something out of its season here and kind of fringe top 25 and, you know, probably should have won the game against Texas the other night and, uh, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. I'm curious to watch this game. I won't have a play on it, but you will go in with the road chalk with the Bears. Tell me why you like them. Yeah, before I jump into it, there are so many good games tomorrow. It's a shame yeah. that it's a shame that, you know, you kind of have to limit yourself a bit here. But um, this Baylor team, all season long, up until their first game back from their COVID hiatus, have been unstoppable, right? Like, they've looked absolutely amazing um and I really do think you mentioned the fact that every once in a while you get those gifts like it seemed like Purdue was tonight to me this feels like such a gift given Baylor only giving five I really think that if they didn't struggle uh against Iowa State last game I really think you would have seen this line up in between eight maybe even up to nine uh Kansas playing decent ball but at the end of the day Baylor is a different level than Kansas, a much different level than Kansas. Uh, against ranked opponents, Baylor is 3-1. and one, uh, And on the other side of it, Kansas, who's played a ton of games against ranked teams, 12 to be exact. They're 5-6-1. Very, very pedestrian. As away favorites, Baylor, 5-1 in the season. As underdogs this year, Kansas is only 2-3-1. and one. Uh, When you look at some of the Ken Palm stuff, and Baylor's number four team in uh, adjusted offensive efficiency. Kansas... Not a slouch on the defensive end. They're sure. 11th. Um, but when you flip it, it's it's night and day. Baylor's a top 10 defense. Kansas is barely in in uh, just outside the, the 50s, 55th overall in adjusted offensive efficiency. I just don't think that they're going to have the horses to really run with this Baylor team. 
Um, yes, Kansas plays good defense, but, I mean, we talked about it plenty this year. Baylor's got a three-headed monster in their front court. Um, sorry, in their back court that uh, just seems to be unstoppable. You're never going to get a night, really, where all three of those guys are off of their game. Uh, you might be able to shut one. You even might be able to shut down two of them, but the chances of you shutting down all three of them are pretty slim to none. I don't think Kansas is going to be able to handle that. I think they're going to struggle to keep up with them uh, scoring the basketball. And the other piece of it, you you might want to say, oh, it's a revenge spot, which it is. I mean, Baylor only beat them by eight um, at home. Eight uh, was significant in that game. I, I yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't see it. I, I really think that Baylor's going to, you know. Have something to prove in this game with everybody kind of talking now, like, oh, you know, they, they struggled against Iowa State. Maybe not the same team coming back from this hiatus. I think they're going to absolutely smash them here. Um, I think it's a gift at five. I think they win by double digits. I think they win it easily. Yeah, and I think the one point that you mentioned here as far as a big advantage for Baylor in the backcourt, like Kansas normally has that guard, you know, whether it's Frank Mason or Sharon Collins or Mario Chalmers. You know, I'm going back a while there. But, yeah. you know, you know, like – they normally have somebody like that who can just get them a bucket. You know, I think Ochai Baji's a nice player, but, you know, obviously Marcus Garrett, more known for his defensive prowess. So not surprised to hear you mention the uh, disparity in terms of Kansas' offensive efficiency versus Baylor's defensive efficiency. And, um, yeah, I mean, you could certainly argue revenge spot. I think I'm staying away just because I have been impressed with, to a degree, at least with the fact that, you know, it it does seem like Kansas is still playing hard. Like some of these blue bloods, and, and now we're seeing life from Michigan State and life from Duke, and you know I, that does surprise me to a degree because you know you kind of expect I, at least at this point in the year, I thought we had kind of seen enough where we could kind of throw in the towel on these teams, and it doesn't look like that's happening. So I could see Kansas competing and making this close, but I think ultimately you're right about not only the backcourt advantage for Baylor, but also, how it does feel like they're kind of getting overlooked all of a sudden now. Everybody's talking about Michigan and what they've yep. done in the Big Ten coming out of that COVID break. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 as we said, I don't did we say this what before we hopped on? I think the Big Twelve is having a pretty good year, you yeah. know, as well. So Baylor being what it has been is still pretty impressive. So um, yeah, I, I wish you nothing but the best here. And this is a game that I definitely. I uh, am interested in watching, but probably won't have a play on. And you were just saying Kansas, you know, defensively, they're they're third in the country in, in forcing turnovers. Um, and and I think not, that's all a sign of like the effort, like still being there for them. You know, I'm sorry, I, I read that wrong. That's actually Baylor's defense is, okay. <laughs> is number three. But, in the but country, you did so. say Kansas has defended well, though. Yes. Yeah. 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 They have, but it's again, you're talking about the number four team in the country. Sure. Offensively, it's it's a different a different animal, different level. Baylor and Baylor big. Let's stay in the Big Twelve, where I think this is a little bit of a get right spot uh, in an in-state rivalry game, the Bedlam game. I don't know if they even call it Bedlam in basketball, but uh, it's Oklahoma hosting Oklahoma State, um, and I'm going to get to the window with the home chalk here and lay five and take the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, and I listen. Oklahoma hasn't been playing that well lately. I know that they've still won 7 out of 10, uh, but you know, didn't cover a couple of big numbers against Iowa State, and they just had a loss against Kansas State as a double-digit road favorite. And, you know, on one hand, you know, we talked in the beginning of the pod about Minnesota and how it's just like forever a free fall. You know, that's not what's going on with Oklahoma. I think they've hit a little bit of a soft patch. Lon Kruger took this team to the Final Four. Uh, you know, he's an experienced coach. Uh, I, I think that th- this is the kind of team we talk so often about, teams that you expect to kind of button up and get right. That's what I'm looking at here with Oklahoma, and I really like it coming off of the loss against Kansas State on the road, now coming back home against the rival opponent. It just feels like the spot where they get right and kind of take out some venom on their big rival in state in the Cowboys. And then remember, Bill, on Monday night, Oklahoma State has a barn burner at home against Texas Tech, which they win, and the Cowboys have had a nice season themselves in the Big Ten, 
beat Texas at home earlier this year. Going on the road against Oklahoma with Oklahoma, I think, pretty fired up to get back on the court. It doesn't, and Oklahoma State off of an emotional overtime win. I think the spot checks out pretty good here for Oklahoma to rebuild its confidence. I think the Sooners probably win by 10 points, so I'll lay the five. Yeah, I like this spot too. I didn't have it on the card initially, but I'll likely be on this as well. Um, Oklahoma, like you said, coming off the loss, they're six and one their last seven games following the straight up loss. So right there, like you like to say, it's a third team that likes to button it up after the loss, take care of business in the next game. The fact that it's an in-state rivalry puts a little more emphasis on it. Um, the only thing that makes me a little weary is that you know the Cowboys on the other side have played some of these better teams. Um, in good fashion, right? Like they've they're five and two against the spread against ranked opponents. Um, you know, Oklahoma and on the other side is eight and one against ranked opponents. Grand Oklahoma State isn't ranked, um, but they're definitely up there and, and compete with those teams. So, yeah, I like the spot with Oklahoma too. I'm probably going to be on the same thing as you for all the reasons that you stated. Always good to hear Bill on the same side. But just as I say that, a little crossfire action for us Here we go. As we go to the SEC, and we are going to – actually, we're going to circle back to the Big 12 in a few minutes for another consensus play. But let's get a couple of SEC plays in here uh, where uh, we're going to go to uh, Arkansas and LSU. And we're seeing LSU travel to Fayetteville, catching five, it looks like, uh, four and a half at some shops. Uh, I took four and a half, so shame on me because I'm on the Tigers. Bill, you like the Razorbacks. A high total in this game, by the way, of 161. I'm curious why you like Arkansas here. I know. I know. I know. It's a trap. It's a letdown spot for Arkansas after that huge win against Bama. <laughs> but but they are 9-4 as home favorite. LSU just 1-3 against the spread versus ranked opponents. And this is also a revenge spot. They lost by 16 back on January 13th. And if any coach in America bus, bus. <laughs> would love a revenge spot, it's Musselman. This guy yeah. is out of his freaking yeah, mind. He is. Now, look, I know you're a little younger than me, Greg. All right, I'm not trying to get political. But back in 2004, there was a guy who was trying to run for president. His name was Howard Dean. Do you remember him? I do not, know. All right, well, maybe this clip will help. I don't know if you're able to hear it or not, but we're going to play it. Well, I can't hear it, so. <laughs> Is that playing for you? Oh, yeah, man, I'm not hearing anything. Just, this guy was nuts. We're going to New York and New Hampshire and Oklahoma. Woo! He's all fired up, and that kind of ended his uh, campaign. People were like, this guy's nuts. We're not going to follow him. But this kind of, like, is what I imagine Musselman doing in the locker room, uh, you know, with, with these revenge spots. They've already had uh, Missouri. They've already had Alabama. And now they're going to have LSU in revenge spots. And they went and handled business against Missouri and Alabama on those spots. He's just a guy that gets his team fired up. Uh, this is definitely a big revenge spot for them. Again, like I mentioned, they lost by 16. Uh, and then you look at some Kempom stuff. LSU, yes, they have been very, very good offensively. Uh, but defensively is kind of where it takes a nosedive, right? Like they're, they're 151st defensively in the country, whereas Arkansas is 29th offensively, uh, and they're actually Arkansas 16th in the country defensively. So they kind of have advantages up and down the board against these guys. Um, not really sure exactly what happened in that last game back in January, but LSU has seemed to be like that team for me that I've noticed that like they'll they'll that Jekyll and Hyde thing. Like they'll win a decent game and then they'll get blown out, and then they'll take a team and they'll blow them out. Like there's like no like rhyme sure. or reason to it. I almost feel yeah, like, it's you know? like you're throwing a dart. Yeah, and I just to me, like you said, I mentioned the total's high. If the total's high in this. Um, I'm going to play a team that actually plays a little bit of defense. So um, I'm not going to say they're going to blow them out, but I really do like them to to handle four and a half, five point spread, no problem. Yeah, no, I, I I'm taking LSU here. I, and first off, the total high. I mean, we talk about this Bill side total kind of correlating a little. And when you see a big total like that, 
I have to think that, well, you're telling me the book is expecting a lot of points, and I'm getting LSU, as, as you said, seventh in offensive efficiency. i got to think if I'm the Tigers, I make this a track meet and try and get up and down the floor and say first to 90, 95, wins the game, something like that. Uh, and so I think that they could probably play that kind of game here. I think you're right about LSU being so hard to handicap, and, so, and I have not found myself on the Tigers that much this season. Um, but obviously, like I said, the total kind of uh, tipping me off a little towards that side. And let's just look, by the way, I, and, and, and yeah, revenge spot, I, I hear you, but let's look at the recent games for uh, Arkansas, excuse me. Let's go back to a game three weeks ago now, uh, just about uh, on February 9th. They go to Kentucky and they only win by one. Then they go to Missouri and they only win by five. They welcome in Florida. Okay, they win by 11 and a double-digit win at home against Alabama. But obviously Missouri, Florida, and Alabama are three of the better teams that you're going to see as far as opponents if you're Arkansas in the SEC. And that game against Kentucky was still uh, you know, a barn burner type game right down to the wire. So part of me thinks that they're a little burned out here from – these marquee opponents that they've seen and going right down to the wire against Kentucky. And I also question a little, right, programs like this where, you know, Arkansas, I look, they haven't made the tournament since 2018, which might not sound a lot, oh, three years. But then you remember it's college athletics, meaning a lot of these kids, the only kids that would have been there were are seniors that were freshmen then. And how big of a role did they even have? Eric Musselman was still coaching at Nevada at that time. So I think there's a little element of uncharted territory here for the Razorbacks. And how do their kids deal with, you know, being a little bit more of a target, right? I think uh, that is something that I question a little, particularly coming off of that big Alabama win. A little fat and happy, I would imagine. Um, and I think at the end of the day, one thing you didn't mention, and I didn't, I didn't expect you to because you're on Arkansas here, but I also – Circling back to why I like LSU, I like them to get right because they just lost by double digits against Georgia as a favorite. You know, so I believe the game game was in Athens. So road favorite, lose by double digits. I expect it's kind of a typical, like, no team is as good as they are or as bad as they are on any one night. And we kind of have both of those things working for me here as far as a sell high on Arkansas and a buy low on LSU. And despite all that, the line's still five. I- I'm going to take the points here. I got four and a half. So, you know, if it lands five, my luck, I guess. But uh, we'll see. Uh, but those are all the reasons that I like LSU. Any of those legitimate bill or am I? I don't know. I don't know. I think, wait, I think I can get – I think we've got Eric Musselman on the horn here. I can do that now. Hey, I love. I thought he was the man when they Nevada made that run, and yeah. you know they went to the Sweet Sixteen, and gosh, that was a regional semifinal. What, what, Nevada against the Who's the team that they try to like fight in the in the locker room? I think it was like the conference tournament. Gosh, I can't remember now. I can but, just remember them going at it in the in the locker room. That was crazy. He's a, he is a wild man. He's definitely Bruce Pearl, Frank Martin-esque. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Frank Martin because that's where I'm going with my next pick. Uh, from uh, And we're staying in the SEC. I mentioned that big Georgia win against the LSU Tigers earlier in the week as a short dog at home of, I think it was four and a half points. Now we're seeing Georgia laying five and a half at home against South Carolina, and I could not pass this up as what I believe to be a pretty prototypical flat spot here for the Georgia Bulldogs. Listen, Tom Crean's team is not going to the NCAA tournament this year. They have had some nice wins in the conference, but the reason they aren't going is just because they've been far too inconsistent. And I this reminds me an awful lot of a similar fade that I had with Georgia that I gave out on this podcast a few weeks ago, earlier in February, taking five points with Vanderbilt uh, on the road. Actually, that game might have been in January, but 
very similar kind of spot here where I just didn't really trust the Georgia team laying the points. And that's kind of been their problem is, you know, it's, it's great one night and they have a game like they did against LSU, but they can never really string enough wins together where you're looking at them as a legitimate NCAA tournament team. I mean, you know, the Ken Palm rankings, Georgia is still sitting in the 80s coming into the night, actually at 80 right on. So, you know, I suppose maybe if they made a run in the SEC tournament, they could kind of make it interesting, but they're not going to the NCAA tournament. And, and it's just because of their inconsistency. They win by 13 against LSU. And, oh, by the way, speaking of tough stretches in SEC play, like I just talked about with Arkansas, Georgia's last five games, Florida, Missouri, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU. So that is the class of the conference this year besides Arkansas, and Georgia's played them all in the last five. And they went 4-1 and one against the spread in those five, winning, as I said, the LSU game outright and winning the Missouri game outright. For a team that's inconsistent, that's not going to make the tournament, it doesn't get like more of a flat spot than this against the lowly South Carolina Gamecocks. I'm on Frank Martin's team, plus the five and a half. Best of luck. I got absolutely nothing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is definitely not one of the marquee games on the slate, but I had a feeling that I was going to be fading Georgia coming off of that LSU win, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Two more plays for us here on uh, full slate. Uh, before we get to the, the – I've waited long enough, and I actually yeah. haven't figured it out, the mystery play um, – Let's go to another consensus play, and we're going back to the Big 12 where we have the Texas Longhorns traveling to Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders in an in-state rivalry game. And we're seeing Texas catching the short number on the road. Looks like threes are mostly in the marketplace, total of 136.5. Bill, I just talked a lot. I'll talk after you talk, but I'll let you start on the Longhorns. All right, yeah, so Texas 4-1 against the spread their last five road games versus teams with winning home records. Uh, this Texas Tech team, as of recent, have been uh, not very good, to say the least, against the spread. They're 0-9 their last nine home games. Is, it, is, there, an, is there an anti-Mac McClung point coming from you here? No, <laughs> no, he's a fine young man. But that includes an 0-8 versus a team with a road winning percentage greater than 600. 0-4 against the spread the last four games following against the spread loss, 1-7 against ranked opponents, and just 2-6 in in against those ranked opponents straight up. Uh, Texas Tech, 4-7 as home favorites. They're 2-5 after a loss. Texas, 2-0 as away dogs. Revenge spot, right? Texas lost 79-77. That guy, Mac right. McClung, knocked down the big buzzer beater in the final seconds. Right. Fif- 15 turnovers from Texas in that game. Um, that really kind of did them in in the fact that they let them keep it close in that fashion and allow McClung to hit that buzzer beater. Um, but Texas does a good job that I like to do, like to talk about. They do a really good job on the offensive glass. Uh, they're 66 in the country. Other side, Texas Tech, they're 227th as far as keeping uh, teams off of the glass. And this Tech team has really been sputtering. They lost their last three. I like Texas taking care of the glass. I like them to minimize the turnovers a little bit get this W. Um, I'm going to be taking Texas. I think they're going to win the game outright, honestly. Um, but I'm with three, I'm going to be taking the three points. Yeah, no, and I'm going to be on the Longhorns as well. Um, you know, anytime you see these teams, you know, closely contested battles, right, you just expect it to go the other way the next time, right? I mean, there's the Duke-Carolina stuff about it being like almost the all-time series is – you know, a game away from 500, you know, or whatever it is. Like, you just expect teams like this to, you know, the other team, you know, another close game, and this time the other team gets a win. And and so that's part of the handicap for sure, um, as the Red Raiders won 79-77 in Austin back on January the 13th. Um, one thing, too, that I'll mention, Longhorns, no strangers to close games. I looked this up because obviously you're expecting a short line here. Four of the six losses for Texas, and remember, we talk about getting points, four of their six losses have been decided by four points or less. We're seeing this number come three right now. Um, And one of those two losses that was by more than four still went to overtime against Oklahoma State. 
that was one of my crossfire wins here uh, as I was on the Cowboys in that one. But um, so obviously the losses they've been competitive in for the most part. And then seven of the 16 Texas wins have been by six points or less. So obviously they're a dog here. So that's not like, you know, you, you could use that as if they're favored, you don't like them giving points. But I think the point I'm making here is they've played so many close games. I'm going to trust Texas in the guts of the game. Whereas we just saw on Monday night, I mentioned it earlier in the pod, as far as in the Oklahoma, Oklahoma state game, Texas tech, uh, let it get away there. And, uh, granted they were probably fortunate to get to overtime, but even in overtime, they could not seize the moment there in Stillwater and lost that game to the pokes as Oklahoma state pulls it out. So, I think Texas is the kind of team that I trust in these close games, even though eerily enough, Texas Tech did win a close game at Austin. Just more confidence in Texas winning this kind of a close game. And as I said, even if they don't, they've lost all those games by four points or less. So uh, hook them horns. I'm with you as well. Texas plus the points. All right, Bill. Here we go. The sound effect. I don't have anything other than let's hear it. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, this team that I'm going to be playing. Some random conference game? Has won three of their last four by an average of 18 points. Only close game was against the top 10 team. They won that game by one point. According to TeamRankings.com, they were 11th in their power ratings over their last five games. That team, Greg? Is that team from Durham? Oh, okay. I am going to be on the dreaded Blue Devils, minus five and a half against the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville team who, as a way underdogs, are 0-3 on the season. Sure. Blue Devils 4-0 the last four games overall, 4-1 against the spread their last five versus teams with winning percentages. Over 600, they're 4-1 their last five following against the spread win. And you flip it the other side, Louisville 1-4, against their spread the last five games following a straight-up win. Duke surging here. Look, if anybody's going to say it, <laughs> for me to say it means they're actually really playing well because, as we all know, I was uh, as harsh, I guess, as harsh could be on this program throughout this season so far. But, hey, you know, I guess you got to, you know, take it, take a page out of Coach K's book here. You just got to get rid of your best player in order to make a big turnaround here uh, in the season because – since Jalen Johnson left, they, they look like a different team. Um, maybe he was a cancer. Who knows? Uh, we're not inside that locker room. But all I know is they're playing really good basketball, um, and they are going to be a dangerous team if they're getting to this tournament. Uh, to see Duke as a whatever double-digit seed, I would right. not want to be that team that's facing them um, with the way that they're playing right now. I like them to I like them to handle Louisville here. They, they seem to have uh, – turned around their perspective of the season, uh, despite their coach's uh, comments earlier on this year. Um, they just seem like they're on a mission, and, and they're going to make their way to the tournament. And if they're going to do that, they're going to have to get this win. Yeah, I'm not going to have a play here, but I think we kind of mentioned it earlier, these Blue Bloods kind of showing late life. Duke particularly, I did not see this coming, which is why I'm going to stay away. Um you know, and, and Louisville just came out. They just had their second game, I think, back from a COVID outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of have that working in your favor as well. I'm looking up now. I believe Louisville, I think it was Georgia Tech that they might have been Wake that they played. Uh, it was Georgia Tech that they played their last game before the COVID outbreak. Uh, and then they came back losing to North Carolina, getting smoked by North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's their third game back from a COVID outbreak. Notre Dame, they righted the ship against. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't have much of a feel for this. Louisville, um, I'd have to look back to see what their preseason expectations were. But, I mean, they are 12-5 and five overall. It is worth noting, though, only three and four straight up on the road. Uh, five and a half, starting to venture close to that area where you can't just look at the straight-up numbers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Duke definitely finding something – uh, at the weirdest of times, it feels like, but here they are all of a sudden uh, making their way towards a potential at-large bid. So um, I'll wish you nothing but the best. I can't say I'm rooting for the play because I'd love <laughs> to see Duke keep struggling, but still, nonetheless, 
You're a good dude, so good luck. I appreciate that. <laughs> there it is. Uh, this has been another edition of Full Slate. Uh, Bill will, uh, I'm sure, convene over the weekend and uh, pick out a weekday that makes the most sense for us to do another one. Absolutely. Hey, best of luck tomorrow to everybody. Yeah, like we talked about a lot on this podcast, uh, you know, we're not telling you you have to take these plays. If you if you feel the opposite, stay with your instinct. And if you can't make a decision, just make it a no play. And, hey, if you made it this far just to tune in and fade the picks, then thanks a lot for listening. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Make sure, you leave, make, make sure you leave a review on the podcast for us as well. Uh, but tons of game on the slate tomorrow. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day of college basketball, leading us right into the best month of the year, which is March. There he is, Bill Christie. You know him on gambling Twitter as Lucha Larry at Larry's Locks 2. I'm Greg Frank. Follow me and all of my picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. And, of course, follow the podcast at full underscore slate underscore pod. Our producer, Alex Uplinger, managing that account. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone enjoy your weekend. Enjoy a very busy Saturday at college basketball. And, of course, please play responsibly. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.